0: The mom of a toddler you know work life balance you know balance is so elusive so i think freelancing has afforded me flexibility that i don't think i would have otherwise or that would be harder to create you know if i was an employee so yes being able to build my build my business build my career in a way that works for me has been golden
1: Let me ask you this. What existing skills and competencies do you know you have for sure? And how can you put those skills to use to find new professional opportunities? When learners in my courses or coaching clients do a baseline assessment of their current skills, most are shocked by how many skills they already have and how competent they already are. As we'll explore today, understanding and acknowledging your own skills and competencies is crucial for building confidence and pursuing new professional opportunities. My guest is Joanna Pendergrass, a veterinarian turned medical writer who has built a successful solo business, creating content focused on pet health and educating pet parents. If you have participated in the freelance panel offered by the University of Chicago Professional Certificate Program in Medical Writing, you'll recognize Joanna. Today, she shares the catalysts that triggered her transition from vet practice to medical writing, the challenges she faced in making this shift, and how she found solutions to those challenges. If you're a vet or any type of clinician, thinking of writing as a side hustle or alternative career you're going to want to listen to this episode. Bookmark it. It's jam packed with tips and resources to support your medical writing journey. We talk about the importance of doing internal work to clarify what brings you joy and identify your current skills and competencies, how to build your business in a way that works for your life, and the importance of finding other vets or clinicians who've made the shift into medical writing. People who speak your language. Welcome to Write Medicine, where we explore best practices in creating continuing education content for health professionals. I'm Alex Housen, and I'm on a mission to share expert insights and field perspectives on topics like adult learning, content creation techniques, effective formats, and trends in healthcare that influence the type of content we create. Right Medicine is the premier podcast for CME, CPD professionals like you, wherever you are in the content creation process. Join us. Before we jump into today's conversation, don't forget that when you subscribe to Right Medicine, you never have to miss an episode. And when you subscribe to the Right Medicine Insider, you'll get access to additional tips, strategies, and resources to level up your approach to content creation. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and sign up for my newsletter via the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome, Joanna. It's so good to see you here.
0: It's so good to see you too, Alex.
1: You know, we often see each other, or we've seen each other in the past uh, via video. We've never met on person because we teach on the same program at the University of Chicago on the Professional Certificate in Medical Writing and Editing. And I'll have to check the title because that might not be correct, but I'll make sure the correct title is in the show notes. So let's start by talking a little bit about your journey from veterinary practice into medical writing. What did that journey look like?
0: So I will say that I actually did not go into practice after i graduated from vet school so vet school was quite the challenge for me and by the time i got to my final year doing my rotations in vet school i realized that the small animal private practice world was not for me i am a like 1000% introvert and i did not feel like the constant client facing demanding work environment of practice would be a good fit for me and at that point, I wasn't really sure what else to do, if not private practice. I had done a research summer research program at Wake Forest University after my second year in vet school, and I enjoyed it. So I figured, let me see if the research r- route will work for me. So after vet school, I did a two-year research postdoc at Emory University in Atlanta, and I quickly realized research isn't for me either. It was just coming from the fast paced, you know, algorithmic kind of mm-hmm. rhythm of vet school. The more slower, abstract world of research just wasn't fitting for me. Mm-hmm. This is about two months into my two year postdoc. So that presented a bit of a problem. But it was <laughs> during <Right>? that time <laughs> that I learned about medical writing. It was a career symposium and I'm a hit. Nichols was the panelist for medical writing. I'd never heard of it at that point. And I listened to her presentation and I was like, huh, that sounds like something I could hang my hat on. So, cause I love science, Mm -hmm. I love writing. So being able to build a career out of combining those two passions, that just felt like something I wanted to pursue. So I would say that career symposium served as my catalyst From transitioning from veterinary medicine to medical writing.
1: It's so interesting that you had presence of mind. You were able to identify what wasn't working for you. It sounds like in a very clear way. And of course, that clarity, that insight, that able to get to the heart of the matter is very much part of what medical writing writing is all about. But a lot of people kind of struggle even with with that in the first instance just that feeling of something's not quite right you know where 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 can i put my energies in a way that really works for me and i i feel very strongly about encouraging people who are thinking about medical writing to do the work to figure out what you enjoy what your skills are what your competencies are and what brings you joy and it's interesting that you identify yourself as you know introvert i yes. think a lot of us do <laughs> and so finding that place where you can and i'm a i don't know how i've described myself i i really like a lot of alone time but i also know i need a little bit of of kind of social interaction to you know spice things up a little bit but then i need to Yes, and, recook- yeah. and regenerate, and I think a, a, a lot of writers would probably recognise that. So, how, you know, over what period of time? You know, well, you know, after that catalyst of meeting Emma, hit and learning about medical writing, you know, what next steps were you able to take, and what what were some of the challenges in making that shift into medical so- writing?
0: Well, it took about two years. And I say that only because my postdoc was two years. So I had to essentially wait out my time during my my postdoc. So the next steps that I took, one, I told my PI that I was interested in (laughs) writing instead Uh of a career in (laughs) academia. So it took him a while to adjust to that because it's not necessarily something that you hear from your postdocs is, I don't want to do research. I want to do this. So, fortuitously, he was working on a book at the time, and he asked me to edit his book and do, I think, uh, copyright permissions. So, I would Mm -hmm. say that was a little bit of my first foray into just getting experience in the writing and editing world. In addition to that, I had joined a couple of writing organizations, on campus, one through the postdoc office and another through the, the graduate office, just doing, doing articles um, for those two organizations. There's also an, an organization called Georgia Bio, which is a life sciences organization in Georgia. Mm. I reached out to them, started writing for them. So essentially what I started to do was just kind of cobble together different writing experiences just to kind of build my portfolio. And just kind of get in the practice of writing. I also, I also joined AMWA during that time. I can't remember how I first heard about it. It may have just been a Google search. So I joined AMWA and started going to some of their local meetings because the Southeast chapter, which I'm a part of, at that time they were holding their meetings at Emory School of Public Health. So it was right down the street from, from where, you know, my, research building was. So it was very convenient for me to attend meetings. So it was essentially gaining writing experience and just learning about medical writing. I didn't, I was very shy at the time, so I, I didn't really do much networking because I didn't really know how to network, but I just figured it was important to go to the EMWA meetings. I also did some informational interviews with some medical writers who worked at a medical communication agency. And actually, that agency ended up being my first job as a medical writer. So yes, it was a combination of writing experience, joining AMWA, and informational interviews with medical writers.
1: I love that description of cobbling together a portfolio. And I want to call that out because I think sometimes when writers are medical writers or people who are trying to break into medical writing, when they're thinking about how they're going to create samples, they feel very diffident about what they're able to produce. And so, what I want to call out here is it's okay to cobble together a portfolio because it does two things. It helps you understand that you can actually write and that you can create content that will fit some avenue in medical writing. And of course, it demonstrates your capabilities to people who might want to hire you as a writer. And the other thing I want to call out, which I think is really interesting, Joanna, is the opportunity that was right in front of you with your PI to edit that book. You didn't necessarily call yourself an editor, I'm guessing. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't necessarily... Position yourself as someone who could edit, but somebody saw in you the skills that you could bring to yes. the project. And I think often when those things happen to us in those, in that transition process from one professional context to another, we kind of lose sight of the fact that we already have a lot of skills. And uh, sometimes other people see those skills in a way that we don't. So Noticing and paying attention to what other people around you are responding to is one of the messages that I'm taking yes, from what you're exactly. sharing here. Let's talk about uh, some of the challenges that you may have faced as you were kind of moving from your postdoc context into medical writing. It's interesting that you, you know, you were you were networking with people in your in your circle that you were coming across at, at Emory and in Atlanta what was your perspective or how did you see the field of medical writing itself? Because we talk about medical writing as though it's a discrete thing, but it certainly wasn't my experience. So I'm I'm curious about what your experience was. I'm
0: trying to think back because that was 2012. So I don't remember exactly what I thought about medical writing at that time. And I think probably just because my knowledge of the profession was very limited. So Mm. given that my first job was at a medical communication agency, which is a a popular entry route for a lot of incoming medical Mm -hmm. writers, at that point, I wasn't really aware of other possibilities within the somewhat amorphous (laughs) uh, profession of medical writing. So, I, I don't think I really had a lot of concrete thoughts about the the profession at that point. I think it was more just what can I do to prepare for this particular mm-hmm. area of medical writing that I know about.
1: And that is one of the challenges itself, as you said it that it it's pretty amorphous. Just and I do want to go back to challenges, but you were talking about you know doing some work for an agency. Can you talk a little bit about? what that looked like, the kinds of jobs that you that you did there, or projects?
0: Sure. And actually that is that, that is a challenge. That was probably my first challenge transitioning, especially from one vet med to postdoc, and postdoc to medical writing, mm-hmm. was a type of writing for at a medcom agency. You know, writing for pharmaceutical companies, writing for an academic audience, mm-hmm. doing Slide presentations, advisory boards. all of that was completely brand new to me. So I think that challenge was, I'm not used to doing this type of writing at all. I'm used to writing, you, know, patient education summaries, you know, writing in a medical record, that type of writing. I wasn't used to writing for pharmaceutical companies, academia and like strategic writing for a pharma company. So I think it was um, that challenge was just, I don't know how to do this type of writing. And the particular agency that I worked at, it really felt kind of like a sink or swim environment where there wasn't necessarily a lot of onboarding. It was more, here you are, here's your manager. And my manager was great. She really helped me understand the role so I could get a better understanding of a type of writing that we were expected to do, but there wasn't a lot of specific training. So I think that was another challenge was just really not having, in my opinion, a really good onboarding experience to know really what type of writing was was expected of me and how to do that writing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My first, so yes, my first job was at a MedCom agency where we focused on doing Advisory boards. And this was, of course, in the human hematology and oncology space. And I can say that was probably another challenge. Even though there are a lot of overlaps between vet med or, you know, veterinary health and human health, I wasn't used to writing on human health. So even though I understood the terminology, it was not only a different audience, but also a different topic that I wasn't used to writing. So. My first job, yes, was at the MedCom agency where I did advisory board meetings primarily. And then after that, I decided that maybe doing more of the publication side of medical writing would be a better fit. So I went to another MedCom agency and I did more, more slide decks, like more like treatment landscape type slide decks, manuscripts, mm. abstracts, those types of things. Uh, posters for conference presentations. So, But again, it was the same challenge of writing for an audience that I wasn't used to writing for, writing on topics that I wasn't used to writing about. So Mm -hmm. those are kind of a combination of my first jobs in medical writing combined with some of the initial challenges that I had transitioning to medical writing.
1: So it's clearly a challenge to kind of figure out whether, particularly for vets who've, who've been to veterinary school, are, are the skills that you developed in school and potentially in practice, if, if you move into veterinary practice, are those skills transferable? So I guess I have two questions here. You faced those challenges. What did you do in order to face them? And what would you say to, vets who are in clinical practice or, or, or thinking of, you know, kind of after, after grad school, you know, which of, their, which of their skills are transferable?
0: So one thing that I did was I decided that I needed to find other veterinarians who were medical writers. So transitioning into medical writing as a veterinarian, I didn't know any other vets who were doing that. I was surrounded by PhDs, maybe a couple of MDs, but mainly PhDs. So I felt like I was surrounded by people who didn't speak my language, and I didn't speak theirs. So to kind of feel more like acclimated, I I, I think I just did LinkedIn searches for for vets who were medical writers. So that helped me kind of feel not so alone in the profession. Can you repeat your other question? I want to make sure that I'm staying <laughs> on topic.
1: Yeah, and uh, let's see if I can remember the questions, because I know there were two. So I think one is, yeah, so the first question was, well, let's just do one question at a time. The first question was, what did you do to meet the challenges in front of you, which were around doing different types of writing that you weren't familiar with? So
0: that one was a continual challenge. I think because I was so early on in my medical writing career, I didn't really, I didn't really start considering like other types of writing, but I was starting to have an inkling that, okay, this isn't working for me. It was starting to feel like I was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So as I was moving from one Medcom agency position to another, what started to become more clear was that, okay, what did I learn in vet school? Okay pet parents. They don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. So I realized that really my true like passion was consumer education writing. So, But I needed to go through those MedCom agency positions to realize that those were not the right fit. So I think that was probably part of addressing mm-hmm. the, the challenge of feeling like a fish out of water was to really hearken back to my veterinary training mm-hmm. and realize, okay, what type of writing did I do in vet school? I was good at that. And my professors told me I was good at that. Mm-hmm. So let me bring that more to the forefront. And that helped me realize I'm not in the right place as a medical writer, mm-hmm. that I'm struggling because this isn't a good fit for me. Consumer education writing is what the fit is. But I had to go through those not good fits <laughs> to realize what was a good fit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really powerful message, Joanna, because, you know, a lot of new to the field medical writers get really discouraged that, especially in those early months or even years, you know, we talked about medical writing being an amorphous field. You've used some wonderful language around square peg and around whole fish out of water. I think. You know, most of us have felt like that at the beginning of a medical writing career, but digging deep and I know that we talked about this at the beginning of the the episode digging deep into what your thread is, what's the thread and follow will lead you to something that is a yeah. good fit and and that amorphousness is actually you know you can flip that around because there are lots of opportunities and lots of potential avenues that you could actually take. But you have to kind of commit to opening yourself up to seeing those opportunities, following them, and knowing that the chances are you're going to find a a place that it's a good fit, especially if you know what brings I you I can't say
0: that it was scary. You know, it was scary going through that process right. because especially yeah, yeah, when you're new, it's bit. like, <laughs> what if I don't like it? And I don't know enough to really like be confident to switch. <laughs> so there, there was definitely some discomfort.
1: And is that where, and this is the second question, which I, I think we were sort of answering first, where your strategy of looking for other vets who were working as medical writers came in because you were looking for a community there?
0: I don't know if those two things were necessarily linked. Like my, my realization that I wanted to do consumer education writing and wanting to reach out to other vets who were medical writers. I don't think they were linked. I think wanting to reach out to other vets, I think that was more just, I need to find someone who speaks my language. Like I just need to feel like I'm not yes, yes, alone. Yes, yeah. Even if they're doing a completely different type of writing, just knowing that there's someone out there that is in the same profession as me, that has the same degree that I do.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This episode of Write Medicine is brought to you by Write CME Pro. A membership-driven community that provides skills, scaffolding, and support for medical writers who want to create CME content with confidence. Write CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills, a portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects, group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME, and more. Write CME Pro is a community for people like you who are ready to grow their CME writing niche, or niche, if that's how you say it. See the show notes for more details. And, and what did that bring when you found other people yeah. who spoke your language? How did that help?
0: It was like a sigh of relief, like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> it did bring a sense of, of community. Mm -hmm. That it's like, okay, we may be small in number, but we're out there and we can find each other. And thank goodness for LinkedIn, where it's an easy way to find each other. So definitely, it helped me feel less alone and less like a fish out of water. Yeah.
1: Right. And then once you find that community and you identified consumer education as our consumer health education For pet parents, what were the specific skills that you were able to kind of tap into as a trained vet in order to support medical writing in that particular direction? And let's just say, you know, you've been very successful in building a business around this particular focus. So, can you talk about that a little bit?
0: So, I think one of the skills is how do I say this? I think having an understanding of the human animal bond knowing that pets are such an important part of people's lives to the point where pets are considered family members. So I think understanding that bond Mm. between human and animals, that helps inform my writing. I think that's a skill. Not to say that it's only vets who have that skill. I would say, you know, animal behaviorists, you know, vet techs, you know, they also have that skill. So I'm not going to confine it to just veterinarians, but I can say that coming from a veterinary background and writing in pet owner education, mm-hmm. already having that understanding of the human-animal bond and also having the skill of lo- knowing how to communicate with pet owners. A lot of times, like we'll go to the doctor's office and, you know, if we're lucky, we have a doctor who has good bedside manner. But if we're not lucky, you know, we'll have mm. a doctor who, you know, is speaking up here or speaking very fast, speaking in just very kind of cold scientific terms. And you walk away feeling like, eh, that didn't feel so good. Or I don't know what they just said. And they didn't even ask me if I understood. So understanding the need from pet owners to like, to have their vets talk to them, in a way that does not necessarily dumb things down and insult their intelligence, but communicating in a way that clearly conveys medical information in a way that is also empathetic. So having that skill, I think, really helped inform my writing and helped me be good at at my writing. So I'm, I'm sure there is something else. Oh, also just having a DVM, <laughs> having that degree lends automatic expertise and credibility. And I have found that with my clients, that's what they look for. They want specifically veterinary writers because they know that having that DVM behind your name lends credibility. When readers read that, they can Mm. trust that the information is accurate and comes from someone who is informed and highly educated. So Are highly educated in animal health. So I would say there are several skills that I was able to bring from veterinary training to medical writing.
1: And was there anything that surprised you or has surprised you or continues to surprise you about medical writing and the particular type of, of writing that you do?
0: I would say just beginning my medical writing career, just the I guess kind of the surprise of I don't know how to write for a pharma company, just like not knowing different styles of writing, different audiences to write for. but I think that once I was able to identify the area of writing that I was most passionate about that i was that I felt that I was good at, there really weren't a lot of surprises for me because I was able to confidently lean into my writing is like. I went to school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about. So that gave me confidence. Mm-hmm. I can say what was surprising was when I was speaking with other veterinarians who were medical writers. Um, actually, there was one in particular. She was a science writer. And I'm not sure if she had an ax to grind, but she her perspective was very cynical about the chances of being successful writing strictly in animal health, that I would probably be better mm-hmm. off writing in human health because the money was better. So it was a pleasant surprise that I was able to build my business strictly around writing in pet health when you know I was told by one particular vet that that wouldn't work.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I do think that sometimes there's a perception in the Kind of wider medical writing feel that there are, there are specific avenues that y- you should, and I'm putting air quotes around that word, follow because perhaps they're, they're seen as more legitimate than others. They're seen as more scientific than, than others. And there might be other reasons as well. But you know, we were talking before we hit record on this episode that actually you can create a business around the type of writing that you want to do. Because if you can do the work to find people who are interested in or who need the type of writing that you do, then, you know, that's a terrific uh, alignment. There isn't, there isn't a one size fits all. There isn't uh, you know, one strategy for creating a writing niche in, in medical writing. And, and I'll be honest with you. And I, and I really appreciate your candor at the beginning of the question around, at the beginning of this episode around some of your, your challenges. You know, I've been in medical writing for almost two decades and I, I still, I still hesitate to call <laughs> myself a medical writer, right. right? Because there is this kind of, Grand perception of what a real medical writer is. It's somebody who works in regulatory, it's somebody who works close to pharma, you know, and, and all those things. And, and that hasn't been my experience, and it's not your experience. And so, I, I, this is another thing I want to flag up for people who are kind of floating around the margins or the edges of medical writing and who are writing and who have an audience or who have clients. You you are a medical writer. Exactly. So just, <laughs> claim <it. laughs> just claim Even it. Just claim it. Even if no one else is
0: doing it, you are doing it.
1: <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. So I have a couple of questions, you know, before we before we sort of wrap up. The first is for vets who are thinking about shifting from clinical practice or from study into some type of writing that we may or may not call medical writing, what would you want them to be thinking about? What would you like to counsel them around? A
0: couple of things. I would say, one, take some time, think for, for introspection. It can be scary to transition from one career to another. And I think it's good to, to really think about, for one, think about your skills there can be a lot of doubt as to whether can my skills from a a clinical background translate into medical writing. And so just sitting down and thinking about, well, what, what are the skills that I bring to the table? Well, one, academic rigor. That is a huge one. You went to vet school, you have a terminal degree, you are highly educated. You bring automatic, automatic expertise. Also attention to detail. You know, you can't be distracted in clinical practice because mm-hmm. you know that those, <laughs> you can't make those kinds of mistakes, you know, lapses in judgment or, you know, lapses in attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Being able to work as a team, that's another skill. Also, writing. You have to write in a medical record. So obviously, you do have to have some level of strong writing skills as a veterinarian. Also, mm-hmm. being able to meet deadlines. Even though the deadlines are not the same in practice mm-hmm. or in vet school as, you know, an assignment deadline, there are still things that need to happen by a certain time. So those are just a few a few transferable skills that a veterinarian may not realize can be an asset. So just taking the time to think about those skills, and that can also help you kind of shore shore yourself up mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. actually are qualified more than qualified to transition to medical writing. So in addition to doing some introspection, thinking about transferable skills, research medical writing. And there are, of course, a couple of ways to do that. Of course, one of the best ways, we are shameless promoters of AMLA, (laughs) but we, I know that we both (laughs) honestly believe that the organization is an excellent way for medical writers really at any stage in their career. So join AMWA, read through their website, learn more about medical writing, connect with other medical writers, do informational interviews. And I would even suggest doing informational interviews of medical writers who are doing all different types of medical writing. So you can get a better understanding of what are the different opportunities in medical writing? What does a typical day look like in this type of medical? medical writing versus another type. And more specifically, talk with other veterinarians who are medical writers. Because again, going back to the speaking, speaking the language, I think that can, you can kind of voice different concerns because you're coming from the same academic background. So I think speaking with a medical writer is great, but also speaking with a veterinarian who's a medical writer is even better because I think you can get a little bit more specific and granular in your questions. Also, again, like like we talked about cobbling together a writing experience. You know, that can, of course, that can look different for for everyone. And I think just to kind of level set these, these do not need to be like highly academic scientific papers. It can just be on a topic that interests you. Like let's say, like, know. okay. Mm-hmm being a vet, talk about fleet control. I mean, something that's easy, but that you know is very important that a lot of people want want to know about. You can write your own article, post it on LinkedIn. So that's just to get your name out there so that potential clients, other medical writers see what you're doing. And speaking of LinkedIn, build a good LinkedIn profile. I think a lot of employers, a lot of recruiters are on LinkedIn. And I think that having a strong LinkedIn profile, being active on LinkedIn, I think that's another good way to just start preparing to enter the medical writing profession.
1: Yeah, those are all great tips. I love that you talk about introspection and shoring yourself up. One of the activities I do with students who take one of my courses is is a skills identification assessment at the beginning of, of the process. And there are two parts to that. One is four open-ended questions, and then we kind of move into a more comprehensive self-assessment instrument to identify competencies. But those four open-ended questions always blow people's socks off because they it forces them to realize yeah. just how many skills and competencies yeah. they already have. And I think that's a really important starting point. You've got to know what you already bring to the table and really anchor down into yes. into that and, yes. and embrace it, and I love too the way you describe making those connections with other vets who talk your language because you know there are six different components of building resilience and community is actually one of them, and so yeah. finding your people in a professional context is is really really important is there anything that we haven't kind of touched on that has been important to you as you've built a successful and effective business to educate pet parents and also create i'm assuming and we haven 't talked about this you know a a business that works for your life
0: so being a freelancer i've had my business now for almost seven years, and it was really scary to start a business i didn 't think hmm. that I had The right personality to be a business owner. Working with a business coach really helped me understand business ownership and realize kind of the the different, uh, kind of different life structure (laughs) you have as a business owner. Mm -hmm. So I think that finally identifying the type of writing I was good at using LinkedIn, being active on LinkedIn, really those two things really helped build my business and have it be sustainable. Because essentially, you know, I would post my articles and potential clients would see them and just one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. So I was able to steadily build a very solid client base in pet health. And I feel fortunate that it is very rare that I seek out clients. They usually seek me out. And actually, that's a couple of potential clients that have reached out to me just in the past few weeks. So I think understanding business ownership by working with a business coach, being very clear on the type of writing that I do and the type of writing that I don't do, because that's also important, too, so that you don't accept everything Yeah, that you're clear. Yeah. I think, yes, so working with a business coach, building a strong LinkedIn profile and being very clear on the services that I provide and don't provide. And I think this may get overlooked, but also just being a good person, you know, being a good colleague. You know, people want to work with someone that yeah. they like. They don't want to work with someone who they don't like.
1: Yes. 100%. Yeah. So
0: those are some of the, the big things that have helped me really build build a successful and sustainable freelance career. And I can't remember your other... The other part of your your question,
1: yeah, no, it was just that you know you you've you've it, it seems as though you've built a business in a yeah. way that works yes. for your life, and you know that that's that's an important yes, part of it the is. equation.
0: And you know, being the being the mom of a toddler, you know, <laughs> work life balance, you know, balance is so elusive, so. I think freelancing has afforded me flexibility that I don't think I would have otherwise, or that would be harder to create, you know, if I was an employee. So yes, being able to build my, build my business, build my career in a way that works for me has been golden. And I I will say this as well, that as I was doing all these career transitions, one thing that I had to face, and I want to make sure that other veterinarians hear this and understand that this may happen, I got questioned if I was a real vet. Yes, because Uh I was not in practice. And for a while, I felt like I had to defend myself, that I had to defend my degree. I had to defend that I was still a real vet, even though I wasn't in practice. Mm -hmm. So it was unfortunate. I think that people can have such a narrow idea of what a veterinarian is and what a a veterinarian Mm -hmm. does. And if you stray outside of that, they question your realness. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that vets who are thinking about transitioning into medical writing do not encounter that. But I would say that if you do, just know that You got the degree, you worked hard for it, and you can do whatever you want with it, with confidence. So you're a real vet, no matter what you do with your degree. So I really, I I wanted to, to make that point because it was something that I experienced early on, and it was very frustrating to have to counter that narrow image of what a vet is.
1: I'm, and I'm really glad that you that you brought that up, and it seems like a the right place to end our our conversation, which has been golden. And I think that listeners, especially listeners who are coming from a vet background, will will really really appreciate. There are so many practical actions and resources that you've mentioned. Joanna Pendergrass, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insights for our listeners. Thank you so much, Alex.
0: This was so much fun. I'm sure we could, you know, talk about this for another hour.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm always really conscious of time, but I completely agree. Next week. Nuria Nagrao returns and we'll be discussing the potential benefits and ethical challenges of using generative AI to create continuing education content, starting with needs assessments. In the meantime, thanks for listening, stay curious and keep learning.